Hey, what's up? It's Rick Dees. And the day my life got organized is the day I met Dr. J. Lamar Gray, the doctor of organization, right here. Wait a minute. Stop everything. He's number one. Maybe bribes and kickbacks and mafia payoffs are how you do business, but they are not part of the legitimate business world. Everybody, wherever you may be, and welcome to the Strictly Business Show with me, Dr. J, the sexiest business show in the world. I'm bringing you the business news, business issues, and business talk you really care about. So it's time to say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. Here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. I demand more. Thank you, thank you, Dr. J. I need it, and I'm gonna have it. Stand tall, boy. Have some respect for yourself. Look at me. I'm going to make something of myself, and one day I'm going to be somebody. The doctor is in live across the CRN Digital Talk Radio Network, my website, strictlybizbizshow.com, and a host of streaming platforms near you. It is another exciting week in the Strictly Business universe. Email address, Dr. J. D-O-C-T-O-R-J at strictlybizshow.com. Instagram, strictly Dr. J. Well, Mike G, yes, I'm sad. My super producer, Mike G, how you doing? Um, I'm sad as well, Dr. J. Well, it's a time to be sad, ladies and gentlemen. Toys R Us has finally closed it's only two stores left in the United States. Now, what are you talking about, Dr. J? Toys R Us went the way of the dodo in 2017. That's true. They shut 800 U.S. stores in 2017. But True Kids, True, T-R-U, acquired the Toys R Us intellectual property during the garage sale of 2018, opened up two smaller format stores, in 2019, we reported this last year, just in time to get ready for the holidays. One was at Westfield's Garden State Plaza Mall in New Jersey, and a second at Simon Simon Properties Group's The Galleria in Houston. But in case you really missed it, we've had a bit of a damn-demic for the last year. The Houston location closed on January 15th, which is a shame because they get 30 million visitors in that mall every year while the New Jersey one shut down on Tuesday. Now, Richard Berry, CEO, he had high hopes for this. He was going to open up 10 stores by the end of 2020. Now, they weren't going to be the big stores like the typical Toys R Us we grew up with. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. That was 40,000 square feet. These were like six to 10,000 square feet. And they were smaller and they had they're more interactive and he had plans to open up 10 like i said including a larger flagship in new york and in california but it didn't happen so and the new smaller stores were cool they had jeffrey walking around scaring kids they had the jeffrey playhouse all this interactive stuff story time but they're still running the website towards us website 
which ultimately just sends you to Amazon to complete a purchase, <laughs> and they still have the license globally. Toy sales went up 16% last year because since kids are learning from home, parents are like, look, let's do something else. So they actually ordered actual toys you can touch other than a cell phone. And that's what happened. So Toys R Us, the website's still alive, but there are no more Toys R Us stores operating at this point. Mike G, are you all broken up by this? Not necessarily. And just to back up real fast, <laughs> Je- Jeffrey, <laughs> Jeffrey is, is not some, you know, shady dude accosting kids in uh, in Toys R Us. He was actually the mascot. He was a giraffe. Je- Jeffrey, say that, Jeffrey the I? giraffe. So just clearing that up. You know, I, I wasn't really a Toys R Us kid. When I was growing up, you know, Dr. Jam, a tiny bit younger than you, but... Uh, K K and B toys at the mall. That's kind of mm-hmm. you know where where we would do our our limited toy shopping. But uh, you know, Toys R Us. It was kind of like the Costco of toys. It was like you said, sixteen twenty thousand square feet, multiple different departments. You know, toys for all ages. And I don't know if it's just the Amazon factor, and also the, you know what what do kids play with nowadays other than electronics? I mean, I can't think of anything. Nothing. Well, some still play the sports fans still play the basketball, the football and what have you. Some of the guys, some of the kids are with the electronics play the football games. But that's just about it. That's just about it. You got P.E. programs across the country shutting down in the United States. So it's just not about physical activity much anymore. But there's things like my son likes to put together stuff like, you know, robots. Yeah. And, you know, being creative, creative toys are more in now where you can use your brain and think and what have you. And the Internet's not all bad. They got some fun learning activities on there. But uh, I mean, my sons, we toss around the football, the baseball and what have you go outside. I mean, we find something creative to do. And there's a lot of great learning tools online as well. If you can keep your kid from going to social media back and forth. And I really really don't have that problem. (laughs) But um, it's gone. I mean, Toys R Us, I, I, I didn't get to go to Toys R Us until I was an adult, to be honest with you, because they were so far away from, they were few and far in between. Like you said, they were the large, big toy store. And when you go in there, you really couldn't touch anything back in my day. You know, you touch it, you brought it, right? <laughs> that was about it. So, I mean, it's sad. So I wasn't really a Toys R Us kid. I loved the commercials. It was like that... Um, that that mirage you saw in the distance if you were traveling with your parents oh there's a toys r us over there but you know the kb toys was in the mall so that's that's uh was a sad case for us but um uh i'm not really broken hearted by this but i think they'll be back they got all their websites i don't know if you know this when you they brought the toys r us website they actually brought all the other websites like babies r us and they even brought sex toys r us stop it yes they did they stop it my g that anything that had burgers are us there are a lot of or us websites that they had to purchase along with this you know how you buy a website online and then they suggest all these others yeah they had to buy anything with R us in it so they had true kids actually owns sex toys are us well i mean the name the name itself is probably the most profitable part of the business at this point i mean that's that intellectual property the toys are us i mean for people like us and a little bit older and younger i mean that's become ubiquitous with toy stores and so if they you know really turn themselves into an online marketplace i think that might they might come out the other side but uh, we'll see i don't know if sex toys are us uh we're really uh i'm trying to look that up but i can't get it through my my firewall here like, call my, my IT guys. <laughs> well don't don't do it in the studio wait till you're at your own private home in case it actually does work and you can lock on to there i can imagine i've never been on sex toys or us but or burgers or us but you know you have to buy those things when you uh when you are a franchise so uh no judgment here 
Now, in this month in business history, Mike G, January 9th, 1986, Kodak gave up its instant camera business. Why? Because Polaroid, which pioneered the instant photography with this first camera in 1948, charged Kodak with patent infringement when Kodak brought out its own line of cameras in 1976. A federal appeals court refused to lift an injunction prohibiting Kodak from making or selling instant film or cameras. So after a nine-year patent fight, they tapped out. This month, 1986, also in January 18th, 1991, Eastern Airlines went out of business after 62 years citing financial problems, and that will do it all the time. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, Kodak used to be one of the biggest companies in the world. I mean, the, the only thing that was keeping them afloat these last few years after everything went digital in the uh, the the consumer camera market was uh, Hollywood was, you know, people filming, you know, processing film for you know, big studio productions. And now we've seen oh, yeah. too that most of the big Hollywood productions, including the Marvel movies and all them are now shoot on full digital Sony red cameras. And so Kodak. Kodak, Kodak Kodak, sorry guys, I think it's, it's all over. Yeah, Kodak us. was big in the film game. I used to have about six cans of Kodak film back in my filmmaking days, and they went bad. I don't have them anymore. They would be useless anyway. So uh, somewhere there's warehouses of Kodak film, 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter film sitting around somewhere. Somebody's got it. But I don't think it'll make a comeback anytime soon. Well, you're caught up to date. We got a good one for you this week. Coming up in the show is founder and owner of Fixed Vodka. We finally got her here, Mirren McLess. You are listening to The Strictly Business Show with me, Dr. J, the sexiest and amazing business show in the world on the CRN Digital Talk Radio Network. We'll be back. We got a good one for you this week. I just came short of organizing every hair on my head. He's the amazing Dr. Gray. J. Lamar Gray is number one. This is Rick Dees, member FDIC. Always be closing. Always be closing. You are listening to the world-famous Strictly Business Show with me, Dr. J the sexiest business show in the world, bringing you the business news you really care about. This segment of the Strictly Business Show with Dr. J is brought to you by Fixed Vodka, high alkaline vodka, woman created, founded and owned, silver medal winner at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Get your fix today at fixedvodka.com. That's F-I-X vodka.com. And some quick sports business. Daniel Wayne, professor of Murray State University, whose research program centers on the psychology of sports fandom, says being a sports fan is a very psychologically healthy activity. People who identify as sports fans have higher self-esteem, lower levels of loneliness, and tend to be more satisfied with their lives compared to those who aren't interested in sports. He says fans tend to have more access to social support, help, and resources as well. 
Research suggests that when you have those things, you have better health. And if you're in business or just have a kick-ass job, you may want to step back a little bit, enjoy, smell the roses, and enjoy a nice game. You'll be much better off for it. And Mike G, do you know what else goes good with sports? Uh, Vodka? Vodka! That's right! (laughs) On the phone with us right now is founder and owner of Fictus Vodka, woman entrepreneur extraordinaire, Marin Miklas. Marin, how you doing? I am fabulous, Dr. J. I just poured myself a fit Bloody Mary, so let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) That's a way to go. It's not too early for alcohol. Alcohol is not for the evenings anymore. (laughs) Absolutely not. It's daytime. It's Sunday fun day, sweetheart. (laughs) So, Marin, when did you wake up one morning or evening or in the middle of the night middle of the night and say i'm creating my own vodka and no force on this earth will stop me so here's the thing i lived in la i'm 38 now i lived in la in my 20s and you know mm-hmm. i was having a good time probably going out too much but i was always drinking alkaline water right so i had mm-hmm. this, this crazy idea probably tipsy and i was like okay i'm with alkaline water with whatever vodka i was drinking you know and i'm like mm-hmm. there should be a better for you vodka like a healthier version of a vodka, if you can imagine that. I mean, I know alcohol is not the greatest thing for you, but you know what? Mm-hmm. Why not have a better alternative if you're going to put something like that in your system? So I said, this would be a better for you vodka. But uh, flash forward, I'm, my husband and I moved to Austin, Texas, about four years ago. We invested into a local whiskey company, got to know the industry, the ins, the outs. And uh, my distiller, actually... Uh, comes from another big name, Vodka, or previously did. And I said, hey, I'm not a whiskey drinker. I'm a vodka drinker. I'm part Russian, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I told him I told him the idea for a Better For You Alkaline Vodka. It's never been done. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we launched about not even a year and a half ago, and it took about three years to create and all the fine prints and, you know, the natural water source and all, you know, all that good stuff. So, and here we are, and I made it happen. Yeah, I tried to get a better option. I used to pour Diet Coke in my rum. <laughs> Just yeah, to be healthier. We're kind of like, we're like the Tesla of vodka or like the Diet Coke of Coke, you know? Yeah, after to go with my chili cheese fries, that is. <laughs> well, of course, of course, honey, with like tons of ranch on the side, right? So, Mirren, can you explain the uh, process for us of how this is created? It's, it's created with organic charcoal filters? Tell us about that. Yeah, it's with a um, coconut charcoal filters that we use, and it's a patent pressure process. And we use live alkaline water from Mother Nature out of West Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually own the right to the water source. It's an aquifer that's over a thousand years old, and the water is naturally high alkaline, around a nine point five ten pH, right from Mother Nature, and it's rich in calcium and magnesium. So when we actually draw out the water. It has this light blue tint to it, and it is the most fabulous-tasting water I've ever had. And we test it all the time. comes around 9.510. And I then bet we you do. It. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to, right? Yeah. Yes. And then, and then we use a high-grain, grade organic GNS, which is grain-neutral spirit, which is a fancy name for ethanol, because vodka is water and ethanol. It's just what kind of GNS you use, and I use a top-grade GNS. And then, yeah, like I said, we use a patent pressure system, and we filter it through a coconut charcoal filter. 
and uh, you get you get our vodka. It takes three days to make a single batch. That's how good it is. Now, the positive and negative to this is there's mm-hmm. no hangover in the morning, which is like, well, how do I regulate myself if I don't wake up with a nasty hangover? Mary? Tell me about it. Yeah. So here's <laughs> the thing. I tell people I can't, I can't, I can't technically say you won't get a hangover because I can't what I can't help what people do on top of it or if they drink something else. But if you just uh-huh. drink fix with water or even if you mix fix with like cranberry, it neutralizes the sugar. And uh, mm-hmm. honestly, it, it's almost dangerous because like uh, you can knock down a half a bottle or like two people, one bottle, you get what I'm saying. And you're feeling uh-huh. a lot better than this morning. And you're like, oh my God, what, like, what is going on here? And you know what? I, I wanted to create this because I'm a social person. I like going out. Sometimes I might stay out a little past my bedtime. But I want to be a functioning human the next day, and I don't want to be hugging a toilet or taking tons of Tylenol and acid reflux pills. My, you know, my butt wants to go to spin class or God knows what, you know. So this is why I created it's kind of like the, the nightclub to the health club, and you just you just feel a lot better the next day. Now you had some challenges with acid, acid reflux. You mentioned that, right? This is why you one of your motivations. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I suffer from acid reflux, heartburn, and I have digestive issues. All that really, mm-hmm. really fun stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I would take Tums, Pepsid AC, you know, all the acid controllers. And I don't, I don't like taking that stuff. Nobody does. Nobody, nobody wants to feel like that, you know? And so <clears throat> my vodka is over an 8.5, and your pepsin receptor shuts off after 8.5, and that stops acid reflux. So I was able to create this vodka that actually helps with acid reflux. And I don't have to take Pepsid AC or my thumbs, and I don't even have to sit up at night when you get, like, the, ugh, the stuff coming up. Yeah. You. This, mm-hmm. That's a bad stuff. So, and you know what? It's, um, when, I, when I go out and do liquor store tastings or appearances or, you know, buy people drinks, that's the, one of the first things I say on top of alkaline is it's non-acidic, it's gluten-free, and it's pesticide-free. And it's, wow. like, we use, there's, and a lot of things, like with vodka, a lot of them, Dr. J, have pesticides, Roundup. Yeah. Citric acid, which is black mold, which caused all that the burn that, you know, the minute you drink vodka all the way till it goes down, you know. So I made the, one of the smoothest vodkas on the market. And uh, it's non-acidic where majority of vodkas on the market that I tested over 90 of them. They're all um, acidic. We're speaking with Marin Miklas, founder and owner of Fixed Vodka. Now, Marin, as a woman entrepreneur, what were some of the challenges you had to overcome in the liquor industry? Because I take it there's more men involved in that, right? Yep, you nailed it on the head there. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, as a emerging female uh, distiller and owner, um, and you know, we're in Texas, and I love Texas, but there's a lot of guys in this industry, a lot of whiskey drinkers, a lot of, you know, even vodka drinkers, tequila drinkers, and I just show up and it's all men and it's uh like they're not they didn't look down at me but they doubted me i think you know okay. and so i just i wanted to overcome that and i think it's so important when i do liquor store tastings like we're in all the total wines in texas and we're going nationwide very soon in all the total wines and uh another um you know liquor stores i do all the tastings and i tell people i'm like yeah we're female founded and a lot of women love that and they appreciate that you know there's a lot of support for uh female ceos or future you know female entrepreneurs and you mentioned you're in Texas, and mm-hmm. Texas last year was voted the number one state for business now. So is it really thriving as well as they say it is? No, so it is thriving beyond. I mean, 
we are uh, our, our distillery is in Dripping Springs, Texas, so right outside of Austin. And mm-hmm. um, my husband Ed and I just moved to Houston uh, January third, and we go back and forth to Austin and Houston, and it is just it is just vibrant here. I mean, people are out. There's just people are doing things. People are moving here. Companies are moving here. Uh, there's just really good vibes in Texas. I, I I really love it here, and we're we're doing well. And people really are uh, accepting of me as a woman entrepreneur, and just the company in general. And what advice would you give to other women entrepreneurs and the future women entrepreneurs? It's an exciting time with women in business. So what advice would you give to them, especially those going who want to go in the liquor industry? You know, I uh, I had a lot of a lot of challenges. Um, first of all, I know I knew nothing about the liquor industry. I just knew how to drink it. You know, I'm Russian. <laughs> I, know, I know I like my Step dirty one. Yeah, so I, it was a, a learning process, and I got really frustrated with myself, Dr. J, and I'm like, I can't do this. I don't know what this means. I don't understand. And I felt like I, I was asking too many questions, and my advice would be never give up. Just when you think you're about to give up, take it one step further, and don't be afraid to ask for questions. Find a good mentor. Find a good mentor that's a good fit, and just have patience with yourself. You have to have patience with yourself. I mean, I get down on myself. You know, a lot. Then I got to pick myself back up again. Or if my my my, my husband Ethan, he's having a bad day. I pick him up, and you, you just got to you got to keep going, fight the good fight. And my labels got shot down three times by the government, so I was in a waiting period for four months while I had to wait for them because I claimed health benefits for vodka. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Screw this. I just don't know if I want to do this. And the next day, I got the letter that it was approved. So it's just take it one step further. Just keep going. Believe, believe in yourself, as cheesy as that sounds, but that's really true. Well, thank God for Ethan. She is yeah. founder and owner of Fix Vodka, Marin Miklas. Get your fix today at fixvodka.com. Thanks, Marin, very much. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk again. Let's do it again real soon. All right, Dr. J. Thanks so much, y'all. You take care now. You're listening to The Strictly Business Show with Dr. J, the sexiest business show in the world on the CRN Digital Talk Radio Network. We'll be back. He's the amazing Dr. Gray. He's Mr. Organized. He can organize your life, too. And if rash develops, discontinue use. Greed is good. Greed is right. Greed works. You are listening to the world-famous Strictly Business Show with me, Dr. J. The sexiest business show in the world. My Dick Nixon again, bringing you the business news you really care about. Was that Marv Halford? I get, I get confused. Anyway, this portion of the Strictly Business Show is brought to you by Restaurant Business Magazine for the latest news, expert advice, and growth strategies for restaurant owners. Go to restaurantbusinessonline.com and get your subscription today. Dr. J got his. You got to get your own. Okay, in some foodie business here, CC's, the buffet chain, the pizza buffet chain, has filed for Chapter 11 protection and announced its sale to DNG investors, its primary lender. CC's and its franchise operated 318 locations across 26 states in the U.S. In 2010, they had more than 650 restaurants. So while other pizza joints are thriving like Domino's and Pizza Hut and Shakey's because they can actually deliver to you, CC's is just another 
buffet that went by the wayside. They said they had about 10 billion. I'm sorry, not 10 billion, 10 million and 50 million in assets from 50 million to 100 million in liability. Now, you remember back in May of last year, Sue Plantation temporarily, quote unquote, the CEO, John Haywood, said they announced a temporary closure of all its restaurants. That's a long temporary because it ain't been back putting out 4,400 employees out of work permanently. And it was a restaurant. It was a buffet style. Mike G, you're a buffet man, right? And how? Are you going back to the buffet now in Texas? I think if the buffets can still be open if people are actually serving you. Yeah, actually, I I, one of my crack research staff for the Strictly Business show uh, was actually in Las Mm -hmm. Vegas recently, and and they uh, were staying at a off strip hotel that had like a modified buffet where they had the the little things on the floor with the the, the, to maintain the six feet distance. They had sneeze guards (laughs) everywhere. They had uh, gloves available for people who wanted it, and so I, I think it will come back buffets will come back but like you said in some sort of uh, modified way uh, when a and when a company goes belly up like poor cc's and then gets sold to its primary lender that's like a good fellow's bust out situation right <laughs> yeah <laughs> lightning got struck by lightning pay me pay my me. money <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, exactly what's gonna happen are they just gonna retool is it gonna be like a private equity situation where they just fire everybody and make the company somewhat profitable and then sell it off what usually happens in those situations it's a chapter 11. So they're just trying to uh, go to the courts, get some of their bill collectors off their backs, and they're going to probably close a few chains just to reduce the chains, reduce staff. And they're not out altogether. They're, I mean, just like JCPenney's filed for Chapter 11 last year. I mean, they're just trying to uh, call their bill collectors, say, get off my back. Let me run this company at a smaller pace, and then we'll see what happens. And they're hoping, and they probably did this just right now because of the vaccine being going out and being available, so they can probably see the light at the end of the tunnel. So let's let's retool now and see if we could save a few bucks, close a few places down, reconstructure, and by by the time fall comes around, we'll be able to get on track again. So they're just uh, their primary lenders just holding it for them right now, just kind of like okay, they just made a move to get the bill collectors off their backs. That's it. But they'll be back. They'll be back. Now, 100,000, 110,000 restaurants, according to the National Restaurant Association, have permanently closed. No Chapter 11. They're done altogether. So that is, and you know, I don't mean to be cold hearted or anything like that. Dr. J, I support and love the business, man and woman. But let's face it, some of these places were garbage anyway. I mean, Some of these places needed to be shut down. Let's be honest with you. I mean, when you go out to restaurants, you usually find you find a good eating place once. And what do you say, Mike G, one in five, one in 10, maybe one in 20? Yeah, I would say about one in 10. And, you know, the restaurant industry, the margins are just so tight. I mean, they barely operate operate at a profit week to week. And, you know, they have, I mean, the food costs and the labor costs are exceptional. And it's just, it's really, really tough. And so it's sad to see a lot of these restaurants go. It's sad to see a lot of the, mostly these small independent mom and pops. But I mean, when you really think of it, I mean, how many restaurants nationwide have been around like for 50 years? How many are like truly successful perpetuating businesses that aren't chains? I mean, it's just a really tough industry. And, you know, we feel for uh, for all those involved. 
yeah, we feel for those people, especially the good ones. You got some good ones out there that had to shut their doors. You got the mom and pop ones that really are good at what they do. And sometimes those people have to depend on the community around them to keep them going. And there's some in my area that have, um, who are still thriving. Now there was one place in my area and I won't say what city I live in. I live in LA County, but there was a it's place Beverly Hills folks, Beverly Hills. <laughs> there was a place that, so it's not Beverly Hills, ladies and gentlemen, but there was a place called, um, they sold, it was called biscuits and donuts, a, a kind of place. And they had a biscuit sandwich that they would make out of anything from roast beef to turkey to eggs uh, breakfast one and but that biscuit sandwich co- cost like six bucks and who's gonna buy a biscuit sandwich for six bucks and i'm not talking about a big biscuit we're talking about the regular size biscuit with a whole bunch of junk in between and you could even hold it together it would spill out on you and why pay six bucks when you can go down the road to a corporate establishment you know who and get like two for four fifty so that was ridiculous. So and they went out of business <laughs> and they needed to go out of business and they were trying to sell vegan donuts. And it's like, look, vegan or not vegan, you got to go with a donut. Go donut or donut go donut. I mean, what's the all vegan thing for? Yeah. And also, I mean, it, it's interesting how we're going to see this move on in the future, because I believe Dr. J, and correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, restaurants, you know, small, small, casual, fast, casual restaurants, I think are like kind of one of the, the biggest small businesses that people open. I mean, it's, it's everybody's like, I want to start a business. They almost, almost all of them start with a restaurant. And I wonder if we're going to see, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs not want to get into this space and, you know, maybe think outside the box, maybe start some sort of food service where it's delivery for uh, delivery forward or takeout forward. And I just, you know, because I love restaurants. I love eating in restaurants. It's a great experience. Not only is it about the food, but it's about the service and the kind of community that you, you have with the other diners and you know, go there with your friends. And so I just really I hope that uh, you know, any entrepreneurs out there that are listening you know, take this in stride and, you know, maybe formulate a little bit more conservative business plan, but still, you know, open your business, take that chance. Cause that's what makes America great. Dr. J. Oh, okay. please take the chance by all means. I mean, if your food is all that good. Yeah. I mean, you, you may have to see some people going the farmer's market route, which I'm all for. I've told business people on this show, if you want to start a business, if you want to test out your food, your dessert, your lemon cake, go the farmer's market route. All you need is a permit from the city and it's really inexpensive. You need a tent, a table, a card table, some folding chairs, and you sometimes you have to fight for spots in those places. This is not a great time to do a farmer's market, by the way, but when fa- the um, pan- the pandemic is over with, you want to go to farmer's market and uh, try out your uh, tasty desserts and wait, food Wait, wait, hold on. Just a couple shows ago, Dr. J was lamenting what? just the, the, the squalor that a lot of restaurants, you know, had. And that, that he was just he was just disgusted by some of the personal habits of people. And so now, when you come down from your your the the Dr. J estate in Beverly Hills and roll down the hill to go to that uh, that Santa Monica Farmers Market, are you going to trust the those people that are running these stalls that have no actual government intervention, no inspectors whatsoever? When you order your you know sixteen dollars sausage sandwich, rather than go to a brick and mortar that's subject to the Department of Health, well, and whatnot? At, least at least they're cooking in your face. Hypocrisy, you can see them Dr. on the J. griddle in the in the. Uh, tents they're making the food there so you can watch them these opposed to some restaurant where they're behind the wall and you just see their head bobbing back and forth you don't know what they're doing they could be slaughtering a cat back there or something like that something like that but at least this farmer's market it's like a barbecue you know they throw it on the grill they're doing this and that 
Now, I don't know where they go to the bathroom here. <laughs> they may go to the outhouse and come back and continue cooking your stuff. You know what? This is a disgusting conversation. Let's move on. So, wait, wait, anyway. well, just, just, just real fast. So, so anybody that's you know, considering <laughs> opening up you know, some sort of food establishment, take doctor's advice. He will come down from his estate in Beverly Hills in the back of his Bentley. He will stop by the Santa Monica Farmer's Market and pick up your delicious barbecue. So, there you go. Yeah, I will. I will. I mean, I like barbecue. I like the smell of it. But you're giving me food for thought, no pun intended. Where do they go use the bathroom at and how do they wash their hands when they come back and fix more food? So anyway, this is a disgusting conversation. We have to talk about this later. Now, Rockstar Energy will air its first ever Super Bowl commercial to reintroduce the brand to viewers after its acquisition by Pepsi Co. last year. Pepsi brought Rockstar out for $3.85 billion to get into the caffeinated category. Uh, Fabiola Torres, who is chief marketing officer, she used to be with Apple's Beats by Dre, and she worked for Nike. She says, it's going to be fun. It's going to be relatable, and it's going to be relevant because little baby is in it. Are you familiar with Little Baby? I'm not. Like, no, is is he a musician of some sort? He's a rapper, oh, and he's I not. See. He's not like a small person. He's not a baby. He's like a grown ass man, and he called Little Baby. <laughs> he's in the commercial, so that's what. So monsters, monsters trying to reach a quote unquote no no uh, no no, no different rock demographic, star. you might say. Rockstar, rockstar. Excuse me, rockstar yeah. is trying to, to reach a different demographic other than those who drive big white trucks and live in Riverside. Absolutely. Well, Rockstar, they need to change their can. I've always drank Monster because Monster has the cooler can and cooler logo. Rockstar's got that old Rockstar brown can. So I hate to be superficial about it, but I like the Monster's can. The logo is cool. It's got the tiger and the scratch to it. I mean, it's cool. We got more about Super Bowl commercials coming back. You're listening to The Strictly Business Show with me. Dr. J, the sexiest business show in the world on the CRN Digital Talk Radio Network. We'll be back with, in case you missed it, and more Super Bowl commercial news. Artist Rick Dees, and listen, he's a doctor of organization. He's the amazing Dr. Gray, and he will prevent these words in your life. I can't wait to fire you. You are listening to The Strictly Business Show with me, Dr. J, the sexiest business show in the world, bringing you the business news you really care about. And this portion of the Strictly Business Show with Dr. J is brought to you by our friends at Four Roses Bourbon, the official post-show drink of Dr. J. For a finish that's soft, smooth, and pleasantly long, just like Dr. J, visit them <laughs> at fourrosesbourbon.com. That's four, F-O-U-R, roses, R-O-S-E-S, bourbon.com. Four Roses Bourbon, the bourbon of Valentine's. It's time for, in case you missed it, when we cover the business news that may have snuck by you over your head, under your nose, and sometimes behind your neck. Now, in the previous segment, Mike G, we were talking about Super Bowl commercial. Rockstar has its first one. I forgot to tell you, or we ran out of time, that 
also making its Super Bowl commercial debut will be DoorDash and Chipotle. Believe it or don't, Chipotle ran by rock star CEO Brian Nichols. And of course, Anheuser, Budweiser and Pepsi won't be involved at all. Yeah, they I saw, opted out. I saw that. Yeah, Budweiser is actually doing a campaign on social media right now saying like, hey, hey, guys. We're not doing a, an advertisement on the Super Bowl because of coronavirus, but hey, we're going to just blanket Twitter and Facebook with our ads, how cool we are. Yeah, yeah, that's just a fancy way of saying <laughs> our budget's kind of been cut a little bit. <laughs> no, I don't know. They, I mean, people have been drinking more, so I, I don't really know what the motivation behind is. We'll just take them for face value what they said. Okay. Now, in case you missed it in foodie business, starting Tuesday, Pizza Hut will be selling four varieties of Detroit-style pizza for a limited time, which is Swahili for. We're going to try this out. If you like it, we'll keep it going. If we, you don't, we'll just get rid of it. Detroit-style pizza is characterized by its rectangular shape, thick crust, edge-to-edge cheese, and tomato sauce that covers the cheese and other toppings. Uh, sounds like Sicilian style to me. Uh, Buddy's Pizza is credited with creating the dish 75 years ago using blue steel pans from the local automotive factory. Dave Graves, the Gravester, chief brand officer of Pizza Hut, says that it's no longer a Midwest only thing. Detroit style pizza is the fastest growing trend in pizza. Yeah, it only took 75 years, Dave. Well, the reviews are in, Doctor J. I was reading. I was actually fortuitous. I was reading about this last night, and you know, several different food blogs they they've given it pretty high high marks. So they said that uh, it it really captures the kind of chewy crispiness of the Detroit pizza. It's got double layer of pepperoni. The only uh, criticism I've seen is about the sauce. The sauce is a little bit weird, but. Uh, that's pizza. That's Pizza Hut for you. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's it's a kind of a Sicilian style. They actually blend the cheese into the dough itself. It's edge to edge on top, like you said, and it's got the regular pepperoni on the bottom, and then it's got the smaller cup style pepperoni when it's baked. It kind of makes these little pepperoni cups that keep the grease on top of the pizza, and it's kind of a nice little little treat there. Well, how is it different from Sicilian style? I believe it's, it's well, traditionally it was uh, the Detroit style was used with a different kind of cheese, like a Wisconsin kind of cheese that's a low moisture, non mozzarella oh. style. But I think actually mixing the some of the cheese within the dough itself, I think, is what makes Detroit uh, style kind of unique. Well, this may, well, I believe you about the reviews, but I don't know how much this lasts in Southern California. Yeah, and also are. it's only available in one size, too. It's only available in the large size. Oh, so you got to stuff your face with it. They tried a Chicago pizza down the street from my house and a good friend of mine who's from Chicago. I said, oh, Chicago. I know I say Chicago. It's Chicago. He said that, ah, yeah, you got to be in the mood for that. That's a lot of bread. So, I mean, out here where you're gluten-free and people try to stay away from too many starches, I don't know how well it'll go over in Southern California for long. I know personally, when I get a Sicilian style, I can only eat like one and a half piece. I can't opposed to a regular pizza where I could eat like five or six slices. But Sicilian, I can only take one. So stay tuned for that. But Pizza Hut, if you'd like to be a sponsor of the Strictly of Business course. Show. Yes, we'd we'll, love to review we'll that. stuff our yeah, face. Absolutely. Yeah. Detroit style pizza. <laughs> All right. To keep it moving in some foodie business, in case you missed it. Now, if you're a dude in New York City and you thought that this Valentine's Day was going to be a nice, inexpensive, romantic dinner for two at your place, which will be about six to 15 feet from the bedroom. Well, Governor Cuomo 
just shot that to pieces because beginning on Valentine's Day, New York City restaurants will be allowed to reopen their indoor dining sections at 25% capacity. Damn, I wouldn't be happy about this. You thought you can save some money. Can he make a law that says if you're going to open, don't give me that 25% increase on the special quote unquote Valentine's Day meal that they always do? And I mean, women, when are you going to understand that guys hate Valentine's Day? It's the worst. <laughs> it sucks. Ban it. Oh, Ban it. And it's it's a fake holiday. It was made by a Hallmark. It's just a, 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 the only reason to sell. That's the flower lobby. It's the candy lobby and the greeting card lobby. Hate it. I used to go buy stuff for like the day before. Or I would buy stuff like after Valentine's Day like teddy bears or something for half price and I hide them, store them somewhere so I can break them out for the whole next year to avoid the 25% markup. And so they're going to do this and the guys are going to have to go out now because they're slowly reopening the state and all this stuff. So I'll have a steak, some COVID fries and for dessert, you can cough in my face. Now, Mike G, do you have any plans for February 14th, Valentine's Day? Well, this ill-gotten holiday? Not yet. I mean, if there's any ladies out there, I would like to make some plans with Mike G. Please let me know. But it's this is, you know, Dr. J, <laughs> we, we hear a lot from the rights, from the crazy maggots that, you know, oh, the, the we're being indoctrinated in our schools. And, you know, I agree. But just with Valentine's Day. Remember when we were kids, they'd make you make Valentine's for everybody in the car and you'd make a little like brown paper bag thing that you'd tape to your desk and you'd watch yeah, yeah. people oh, would come absolutely. by or not come by in some cases <laughs> and drop Valentine's Day cards. First of all, that should be banned. They should ban that. They should make that illegal in schools. So what that does is that, you know, gets them early, gets them young. And so now everybody thinks that Valentine's Day is some super important holiday. And if you don't have a Valentine's, if you're not with somebody on Valentine's Day, you're a loser. If you don't get Valentine's Day cards, you are a loser and no one will ever love you and you're ugly as well. So it's awful holiday. It should be banned. And uh, but if there's any ladies out there, I'd like to go out and let me know. I, I got stiffed a couple of times, not from everybody, but from some girls I thought were really cute back in elementary school and they didn't give me a card like, oh. And it hurts, like right? It hurts. Oh, it hurts. Deep to your soul. Deep to your soul. I never, I, well, I, I did get over it, but um, <laughs> it did hurt. I remember that, you know, that you got the not so, well, wait a minute, I'll just stop. Anyway, I used to date, <laughs> I used to date a girl whose birthday was in January. Yeah. So it was the worst. So you got Christmas gift, you got birthday gift, and oh, here we go, Valentine's Day gift. I mean, for three months straight, I got to shell out money because of Valentine's Day. I also dated a girl whose birthday was six days before Christmas, and I'm like, well, can we condense this? Can we consolidate? Can we put this all to consolidate this together? Oh, no, you can't do that. No silly me thinking with my wallet. For crying out loud. So, no, Valentine's Day, I'm good. I'm good with that if it goes away. And uh, But I will play my part while it's still in, ex in existence. Well, yeah, because okay. you're, you're married. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I guess I have to go <laughs> make something happen, right? <laughs> no matter how ingenuine it is, just... <laughs> okay. And finally, in smoking business, uh, tobacco giant... Marlboro Cigarettes says after declines in smoking over the last few years, it actually flatlined in 2020. 
people are smoking more cigarettes and they don't have any predictions. They won't make any predictions for 2021 because they don't know with the vaccine coming out and everything. But they said the pandemic, the damn-demic has brought out more people to smoke. You're not, you're working from home so you can take as many smoking breaks as you want. You're bored. It's hectic. You're stressed. Now, Mike G, as the resident smoker, Mm -hmm. the official smoker of the Strictly Business show, Uh damn it, Mike G, are you smoking more cigarettes? Not. It's pretty much the same. I'm wondering if that data is just uh, the United States or if it's worldwide, because I I do know that the you know we're seeing an explosion in the Chinese middle class that are one of the things that they love to do is smoke uh, Marlboro cigarettes. But no, I I I mean the logic makes sense. More people are home. I mean you can't smoke in the workplace uh, in most workplaces, unfortunately. So if you're working from home and you can't smoke in the comfort of your own home, probably that's that's one of the reasons. You know, people are also you know it's. A lot of people are unemployed and, you know, when you're unemployed, you start to, you know, maybe do stuff that, you know, you pick up vices that you once didn't have. And I don't know. Uh, It's uh, no, I pretty much kept it uh, static this entire time, but it's a filthy habit and I really want to quit. But it's just uh, (laughs) I hear you quit. But also if Marlboro wants to sponsor this show like they do F1 teams, we love that, too. Absolutely. Marlboro's, please. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up a pack. I'll light it up, baby. Two packs a day for a sponsorship. I'm such a whore. Okay. That's going to do it for another wild and crazy ride in the Strictly Business Universe this week. I'm Dr. J. Lamar Gray. If you have questions, comments, criticism, I dare you, email me at drj at strictlybizbizshow.com or hit me up on Instagram, Strictly Dr. J. Thanks to my guest, Marin Miklas. Thanks always to my super producer, Mike G, and the entire CRN crew. Original show music by my man Sterling B. Most importantly, thanks to all of you out there who tune in, log on, or download every single chance you get. I appreciate you spending time with us. Be kind to each other, even if it hurts. It's been a pleasure. And the pleasure was all yours. (laughs) Hey, what's up? It's Rick Dees. And look at this. I am so excited to be on with Dr. Gray. What? What are you? You got your hands up. What are you doing? I. I want to be on. Doc- <laughs> Goodbye.